Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Joel Bind Show. Thank you for being here and investing your precious attention in this podcast. Always grateful for you and your curious mind to be in that growth mindset towards bringing in new ideas and new concepts around philosophy, psychology, and to say, I want to invest in myself and my own self-integration to recognize that I have the power to affect that change in my life, that growth, that wholeness in my life. And when I do that from the inside out, that creates enormous ripple effects. It's really the most powerful pursuit one can can begin, right? Of self-knowledge. Knowledge is power, but self-knowledge is a superpower. And when we choose that courageous choice to invest in ourselves and to look in inward and integrate the parts of ourselves, then that's the greatest gift you can give yourself and others. And it's unfortunate that the culture essentially is implicitly and explicitly saying the opposite in many in many ways to look at the external world and look out at what's outside of your own sphere of control and put all the attention on that. But really the most important and most valuable thing you can do is to put that attention on what is inside your sphere of control and what is inside your own psyche. No one else is responsible for that. So continuing on with this series on the six pillars of self-esteem, and by the way, my voice might be a little bit uh, a little bit unclear, just recovering from a cold here, but I think it's clear enough for our purposes. So we've come to the fourth pillar of self-esteem, the practice of self-assertiveness. And this is a powerful, powerful pillar to integrate. And it's essentially, if we were to boil it down to one phrase, it would be saying yes when you want to say yes and no when you want to say no. And saying yes means saying yes verbally as well as non-verbally. It's not simply when you're in a conversation to speak up with your words. It certainly is that. To say yes when you want to say yes and no when you want to say no in conversation, in interaction verbally. But it's also this way of being and standing in the world and the choices you make and the path that you forge to say, I'm going to live in alignment with my values is an act of self-assertiveness. To say, I'm going to be the change I wish to see in the world. I'm going to choose, for example, I'm going to choose to have children and have a family. That is a choice, and that is a a self-assertive choice in the sense of you are indicating to the world through the action and that decision what matters to you. So it could also be the profession you choose. It could be the relationships you choose or choose to let go of. It is a very all-encompassing pillar. And if we go to Brandon's definition in the in his chapter in the six pillars of self-esteem he writes self-assertiveness means 
honoring my wants, needs, and values and seeking appropriate forms of their expression in reality. Its opposite is that surrender to timidity that consists of consigning myself to a perpetual underground where everything that I am lies hidden or stillborn, to avoid confrontation with someone whose values differ from mine, or to please, placate, or manipulate someone, or simply to quote-unquote belong. Self-assertion does not mean belligerence or inappropriate aggressiveness. It does not mean pushing to the front of the line or knocking other people over. It does not mean upholding my own rights while being blind or indifferent to everyone else's. It simply means the willingness to stand up for myself, to be who I am openly, to treat myself with respect in all human encounters. It means the refusal to fake my person to be liked. So potent, huh? So powerful. It's the expression in reality of your wants and needs and values, yeah? To, I'm thinking of a metaphor here, like if you have um, an inflatable doll and it's, it's not inflated, right? But you have the doll. It's just not filled with air. That's like you have your wants and needs and values. You're in touch with them. Perhaps, maybe you're practicing the first three pillars of self-esteem and you're you're in touch with what your wants are your needs and your values but those are the sort of the inflatable doll and it's when you actually fill up that doll with air and it fully actualizes fully boosts in energy it fully shows itself to the world that is the act of self-assertiveness it's to create that form in in reality of those wants, needs, and values. It's saying, I have the right to exist. It's saying, I matter. It's saying, I am worthy of respect. And my authentic self is worthy of respect. And as Brandon says, to assert essentially that no, you are not on this planet to live up to anyone else's expectations. This is truly embodying the spirit of self-assertiveness. And this can take place in very clear ways as well as very subtle ways. So Brandon says, appropriate self-assertiveness pays attention to context. The forms of self-expression appropriate when playing on the floor with a child are obviously different from those appropriate at a staff meeting. To respect the difference is not to sacrifice one's authenticity, but merely to stay reality-focused. In every context, there will, will be appropriate and inappropriate forms of self-expression. Sometimes self-assertiveness is manifested through volunteering an idea or paying a compliment. Sometimes through a polite silence that signals non-agreement. Sometimes by refusing to smile at a tasteless joke. In work situations, one cannot necessarily voice all one's thoughts, and it is not necessary to do so. What is necessary is to know what one thinks and to remain real. So this is where I like to make a distinction between radical honesty and radical authenticity, perhaps, in the sense of radical honesty in, as conveyed by Brad Blanton in his book, Radical Honesty, he basically says like having no filter. If you look up videos of Brad Blanton, it's really refreshing because he's just speaking completely freely without filter, completely radically honest. 
And there's so much value in that. At the same time, we can be authentic without necessarily saying everything without filter, based on the context. That's what Brandon's highlighting here, is that you can still live authentically, even if in the context it doesn't necessarily make sense to you know, say everything that's on your mind at a staff meeting. But it could be choosing to not clap when the rest of the staff is clapping at something that you don't agree with. Right? So there could be more subtle forms of that. Or just choosing to be in touch with your own thoughts and wants and feelings and needs and values and so forth and not compromising that and not sacrificing your own integrity. So the integrity piece is really intimately tied to the self-assertiveness piece. To say, who am I? Knowing thyself. And then being thyself. Being thyself is that self-expression. That saying yes when you want to say yes and no when you want to say no and being in integrity. And that is often asks courage. You know? It asks courage because this self-assertiveness, self-esteem need is, you'd say, newer or less historically calcified in human history, right? In human sociology, where so much of human history is baked in, first with tribes, that sense of group conformity. And even and in more complex societies, that allegiance to groups and villages and towns and cities and governments and these societal expectations. The conformity is, is very strong in the culture, and so much of that is, is bred in our conditioning from parents and teachers and so forth. And the reality is that we have this need because we are individuals. It's a beautiful thing that each person is irreplaceable, that you listening there's no one else in the world that is you. And there never has been and never will be. How wonderful, right? So to be real and to express that which makes you come alive, that which matters to you, to express your preferences, your principles, your priorities, to express your values, your needs, your wants, to live in accordance with who you are. That is a courageous act because oftentimes it means standing out. And so part of this journey, of course, is integrating the parts of us that were conditioned to bend and blend and conform and to remain glued to groupthink, to remain essentially disassociated from our true self. As growing up, we were faced as young children with a choice, oftentimes, between attachment and authenticity. This is what Gabor Mate has so wonderfully pointed out, that attachment is essential growing up. And so when attachment and authenticity are at odds, as a child, in your home environment, in your school environment, attachment trumps authenticity every time. You choose to stay safe and connected and attached even if that means sacrificing one's self-esteem, self-assertiveness, self-authenticity. Because as, a child, as children, we are vulnerable. We are small persons that we can't provide for ourselves. We're dependent. We're dependent, young, innocent, innocent beings. And 
when we're in home and school environments that are projecting their own unprocessed trauma onto us, saying, you must do things how we do them. This is how we do things here, and you need to obey that. It's not giving us that option to decline, to express our own inner thoughts and feelings, inner authenticity. And of course, often with parents, that's just their own unprocessed trauma, right? Because when they were little boys and girls, they they denied and disowned their authentic self. And so if that remains unprocessed, then if if a parent's own child begins to express authentically, that holds up a mirror for the parent's unprocessed experience. And so perhaps unconsciously, the parent doesn't give visibility and celebration to that child's authentic self. And it's very tragic because how, again, how wonderful it is that each person is unique. And what a child needs is for the the caregiver to express delight in that child's inner world. But often we are, we receive conditional love, we we receive timeouts, we, we receive punishments and rewards and we learned we learned to bend and blend and suppress the authentic self so we we develop beliefs about safety it's not safe to express myself i'm not good enough i don't matter the way to be safe is to get approval the way to get love is to get approval these types of beliefs that we we create in our own through our own neurology and our own mind, we, we create these meanings about the, the world as we're trying to make sense of things. And so we do that to get attachment often. And we deny our self-assertiveness. And so as adults now, because the body keeps the score, our nervous system has held on to these fearful, fragmented parts of ourselves. These beliefs in the subconscious mind from the child selves trying to navigate his or her environment, that's still in one's nervous system as an adult, unless one processes that, integrates that energy, and heals that conditioning. So this is the deep work that's very valuable in developing self-assertiveness. And of course, you can do that through you know, self-therapeutic therapeutic modalities, and you can, there's a sense of healing that comes from just taking the courageous leap and watching yourself even in the face of fear, choose to self-assert. Choose to be the one person in that group that says that opinion, even though everybody else is in the same, seemingly in the, in the opposite opinion. But to say, I'm going to be in integrity and assert myself, even if I feel fear, that can be an act of proving to yourself that you, you are safe, right? And so this goes back to the fundamentals of self-esteem that Self-esteem means it's it's the experience of watching yourself. You're always watching yourself. This, that silent witness is always watching what you do, how you spend your time, with whom you spend your time, what you say, what you don't say, how you set boundaries, how you don't set boundaries, how you set too strong boundaries, how you set too weak boundaries, how you act in any moment. You are collecting data. Your, your true self is constantly collecting data. So when you choose the courageous act of showing up and asserting yourself, 
Well, you can chalk chalk that up as a uh, tally that up in the box of self-assertiveness, right? Even if it's scary, even if it's prickly, even if it doesn't go well, maybe it's not received well. But the thing is, you show yourself that self-respect. Even if the outcome isn't what you might hope, you can still have that pride at having expressed yourself. So if we, moving on a little bit further in the chapter from Nathaniel Brandon, he says, healthy self-esteem asks that we leap into the arena, that we be willing to get our hands dirty. Without appropriate self-assertiveness, we are spectators, not participants. So, yeah, it's much easier to be on the sidelines of life, to watch life go by, and to kind of blend in with the rest of the crowd, to go along with the current. But are you really living? Are you getting to the end of life? And are you thinking, I really asserted my existence. I really showed up. I had the courage to live a life that's true to me rather than conform to others' expectations. So that can be messy. Leaping into the arena, getting off the sidelines and hopping on the field and say, I have the right to exist. I matter. I think this. That is powerful. And so this is a process of self-growth, self-individuation, self-actualization, and believing that you have the power to take up space. And of course, Brandon was really helpful in offering these sentence completion exercises to help us cultivate the self-assertiveness. Each of these self, self-esteem principles and pillars, he provides these in each chapter, suggested self sentence completion exercises, sentence completion stems, and again, I've linked to that in the show notes, his 30-week program where you can really get in touch with your subconscious. And so here are a few examples of some sentence stems. Self-assertiveness to me means if I lived 5% more self-assertively today, If someone had told me my wants were important, if I had the courage to treat my wants as important, if I brought more awareness to my deepest needs and wants, when I ignore my deepest yearnings, if I were willing to say yes when I want to say yes and no when I want to say no, if I were willing to voice my thoughts and opinions more often, when I suppress my thoughts and opinions, If I'm willing to ask for what I want, when I remain silent about what I want, if I'm willing to let people hear the music inside me, yeah, it's powerful. It's poignant. It's poignant. The possibility of sharing your light at full brightness, sharing the music inside of you at full volume, knowing that you are a gift. Your authenticity is a gift, and you have treasure inside of you. You have treasure of your thoughts, your perspectives, your personality. You have treasure of your creative ambitions. And as Miles Monroe said, the the richest place in the world is the graveyard because so many people leave their buried treasure inside. But you have this 
special chance to express who you are, to know thyself and to be thyself, knowing that you are safe. It is safe to be you. It is safe to be powerful. It is safe to be you. And knowing with compassion that others' reactions to your wholeness is simply the manifestation of their unprocessed trauma. And by being who you are and asserting and sharing your music, not only get the joy of growing your self-esteem, you get possible joy of influencing others to do the same and giving people perhaps the permission slip they think they need and realizing that, huh, perhaps it's worth celebrating my authentic self and everyone's needs can get met without fear. We step into trust, honesty, and self-integrity. We get to create a whole new world. <laughs>